Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and today I'm joined by Christian Page, former co-host of this program. Excited to chat it up with Christian today. Only an hour-and-a-half version of the show this afternoon. Auburn softball coming up, 445 airtime with Jacob Hillman and Britt Bowen as Auburn takes on LSU in a very big top 25 SEC softball series. So again, only about an hour and a half with you today. We'll kind of break down some of the general topics we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Update on the Auburn basketball roster as they continue to uh, target a couple of commits. Uh, they also still waiting for decisions from the likes of Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams, and a couple others. We'll also talk a, a little bit of Auburn football. One portal entrant to talk to you about leaving the Auburn football team. Also a, a potential get for the Auburn Tigers in the recruiting ranks at 330. A high three-star tight end, Martavis Collins, is set to commit uh, Auburn seemingly leading the way uh, from Collins. And so uh, we'll see that uh, if that goes Auburn's way at 3.30 or so. But again, Ryan and Christian with you here today. Christian, it is good to see you, my friend. Thank you for joining us on the show today and this kind of skeleton crew we've got here at the end of the week. Right, I know. Y'all had to go way down on the totem pole to come get me back. but Oh, uh, that's not true. Uh, no, nah, I'm glad to be on. And it's a Friday, and then the weather has turned out to be awesome too. So the softball game uh, and just the weekend of Auburn festivities look like they'll go according to plan this weekend. And so uh, some big series with LSU and, and Alabama. Um, so hopefully Auburn can, you know, find a way to get those victory and those very important series wins because, as we know, SEC and any any sport is tough down the stretch, but two uh, winnable series for both respective teams. Yeah, they are very important series. I mean, Auburn baseball at 4-8 and eight in the SEC, playing someone else in Alabama who is 4-8 and eight in the SEC. And, and so that series is going to be – uh, very important, not only for trying to build a tournament resume, as Alabama had a really good non-conference, was still 24-10 overall, uh, but just also from the standpoint that, that if the loser of this series is going to start looking in the rearview mirror and making sure they can get to Hoover, uh, because Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Georgia are the only teams below these two in the standing. So, and Auburn's yet to play the two Mississippi. So that, that could, that could end up being very close in a hurry or Auburn can get some separation. Then for the softball perspective, Auburn's uh, have been pretty good in SEC play. They've maybe not played the toughest of opponents. LSU coming in though, as a top 15 opponent, I believe 33 and seven on the year. 
And so uh, LSU will be a formidable challenge for the Tigers. But as we mentioned, a little Auburn football news for you to start out with. Jeffrey Embaugh hitting the transfer portal last night. Uh, kind of conflicting reports on where exactly he stood in the, the pecking order for Auburn defensive lineman. Obviously, a lot of excitement when he got on the campus. I believe he was the number one ranked JUCO player uh, coming in at that position for the Tigers last year, but did not see the field a whole lot for, for Auburn last year. Uh, defensive line is something that we have put a little bit more of a question mark on compared to some other defensive position groups just from the standpoint that they were not good stopping the run last year and then they lose their best pass rusher off that edge with Derek Hall. So some questions about what Auburn's got up front, Emba now not going to be a part of that. Again, I, I tend to not panic with things like this because that tells me that he was probably not on pace to start, maybe not even really challenging for a starting role or a lot of playing time. So again, I know there's some disappointment because expectations were there when Emba arrived on campus, but I'm not sounding any alert button. And again, we're going to see this all over the country in the coming days. It's just simply Auburn's already finished spring ball. A lot of teams, Florida played their spring game last night. It's going to be a lot more tomorrow in the SEC and across the country. So not getting too alarmed by just one transfer. There will be more for Auburn and then Auburn will surely bring in some but Christian as you look at this team in its totality now that they are done with spring ball uh, any highlights that stand out to you any lowlights uh, that stand out to you just kind of what did you make of Hugh Freeze's first spring uh, with the Tigers yeah I think the whole team's really motivated and you can tell just with the coaching staff and I know the the 8A game was kind of really hard to judge because I mean they were pretty much playing in the river throughout the entire game so I understand people want to talk about the woes uh, with the defensive line or the front seven in the rushing game but Let's be honest, it's not necessarily a fair judgment, uh, but to your point about Emba and just the defensive line breakdown, that might be something because we're, we're usually used to that being a really strong point for Auburn coming into the year is the depth at the defensive line position. And maybe that is kind of writing on the wall here that there is more depth than we had thought about because Emba, obviously, when the, uh, the, the spring practices conclude – that uh, that depth chart is going to be displayed somewhere. So we can kind of probably figure out he was lower than he expected to be. But overall, it sounds like the receiving play is going to be a little bit of a question mark, but there's a lot of uh, potential there. Run game's probably going to be the big highlight. We'll wait and see with the quarterbacks. But um, I'm more maybe excited about the secondary with some of the players. You know, if J.D. Rim comes back healthy, D.J. James, I love that guy. I think he plays outstanding football. Nehemiah Pritchett was kind of up and down, played better in his early seasons at Auburn. But I think, you know, kind of rallying his upperclassmen years, I think there's a lot of promise there. So I would say the secondary I'm looking forward to, defensive line front seven, a lot of new faces, a lot of guys we got to really get used to, but I think there's still just a lot of potential up front. And then even you'd add someone like Kyan Lee, who I don't know if, if freshmen typically make a big impact all the time, but certainly a lot of good reports of Kyan Lee and knowing that uh, Auburn was able to kind of pluck him from Ohio State. That's uh, usually a pretty good sign in a recruiting get. Again, they are a little bit deeper at the, the DB spot, so I don't know if Lee would be – relied on much this year but yeah I think that it was so disappointing as we look at a, a perfectly good uh, afternoon today outside a few clouds around but uh, the rain just kind of limited everything that we wanted to see out of quarterback play I, I think uh, it's safe to say Auburn's going to have a unique and talented running back room 
Obviously, a lot of people love Jarquest Hunter, and they should. Uh, I really like Brian Batty as a change of pace back. I think he's going to have some trouble being willing to take a bunch of hits in a game. It seemed like he was very quick to bounce outside, but that could be your change of pace, all or nothing, big play back in, in a reserve role. So I was excited about that. Obviously, Demari Alston uh, still developing here, and then people will want to see what Jeremiah Cobb has. So the running back room is very deep, and and I don't think the offense is hopeless because they've got a really good starting point with that running game. But with quarterbacks, I mean, that is going to be something, as you can imagine, Christian, that we've talked a lot about. No way. <laughs> going to continue to talk a lot about and just going to be monitoring that portal a little bit hypersensitive maybe to what happens in the portal just because we know how important that position is and because we – uh, have just not gotten to see what we wanted to. Again, Mother Nature helped us out with not seeing much last weekend, but also just the fact that, okay, when you're telling me things like uh, Robbie Astrid's shoulder was not 100% healthy this spring, and you're telling me TJ Finley's you know, positive sign for the spring was that he's learning the offense, you know, that that's not exactly like great news that I'm just very confident that those guys are, are making the strides they need to. They need to. So I think when we are looking at this team, and, and Hugh Freeze knows this, that there's not a big appetite for patience, but in this case there needs to be at least in year one. You're having to build up a lot of different things, particularly with offense. The running backs are a strong point, but every other group, well, I think it was me, Brooks, and Tom that did this a week ago. We were power ranking the position groups of the team. and we, the, the seven position groups, we did not talk about kickers, but – Evan McPherson, great. Or, uh, yeah, Evan McPherson. Uh, Alex McPherson. Alex, yeah. There we go. Evan's Evan, brother. his brother's good, yeah, too. Alex <laughs> McPherson, going to be good. Um, but we were powering the groups, and coming in fifth through seventh in some order was the wide receivers, offensive line, and quarterback. So there's a lot to work on there, and then there's a lot to try and establish and still try to get out of, of the portal because, there, again, three groups on offense – not feeling great about, and then with offensive line, okay, you saw something nice in the running game, but then you start to worry about, okay, 106th in rush defense and yards per attempt allowed last year. You know, not not exactly proof in the pudding that the O-line is, is all of a sudden great. So, again, offensive groups, for the most part, behind defensive groups. No, that totally makes sense. And those three groups you talked about, uh, receivers, offensive line, quarterbacks, at least two of those position groups, offensive line, receiver, Hugh Freeze and company already did go to the portal route and knew that they had to improve. So, of course, that leaves the big question mark where you hadn't hit the portal yet. So we assume maybe in the window that's about to open, maybe some guys are you know waiting to that spring graduation date, maybe somebody comes available that they had hoped or unexpectedly um, hit, hit the portal. So there's still a lot of work to do there. But offensive line, I'm still a little more optimistic because they've gotten some big names, uh, Dylan Wade, Avery Jones. They've gotten some guys that have come from – um, reputable programs that a lot of really good programs were after. And so if they didn't choose Auburn, I think they would be at the starting line at some other major Power 5 programs as well. So wide receiver, Mardner comes over, maybe want to look in something a, a little more in the wide receiver unit. But, of course, that quarterback starts and ends there, so they got to hit the portal for sure. We're going to go ahead and take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. And coming up a little bit later – our birthdays in sports. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Friday afternoon. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Christian Page with us here today. I appreciate you, Christian, for being here on the show. We do have a little bit more breaking news before we get to our first phone call of the day. Uh, Peyton Marshall, four-star big, top 50 or 60 recruit, depending on what service you're looking at, seven-footer, 300-pound center in the 2024 class, has decommitted from Auburn. He tells uh, Joe Tipton, uh, Joe Tipton, also Justin Hokuson was alerting us to that uh, potential just a few moments before uh, the news was broken by Tipton. And so Auburn losing Peyton Marshall, usually when these things happen, they do not end up going to the school that they originally committed at. Uh, not all the time the case, but I, I would think that, you know, we'll see what Marshall exactly said here in a little bit, but uh, Auburn might have something else in the works uh, to, to lose someone like that. We do not know, but Peyton Marshall, four-star center, is decommitting uh, from Auburn. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Again, a shortened show today, so we'll keep it a little bit shorter on the Auburn Bank phone line. But first up, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, did y'all hear about the news about Russell Wilson? He's actually uh, going to a different team. I think he's going with uh, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. That's just the rumor that I've been hearing around in the NFL uh, news as well. Uh, that's interesting. I have uh, I've definitely not seen any of that. And I, I, to be honest with you, James, I, I don't think that's going to end up happening there. Broncos are paying Russell Wilson a lot of money, and I don't think the Eagles would be wanting to take on that kind of money for a guy that would, I don't know, not start for them. So, so I'm pretty sure Russell Wilson will be staying in Denver. But that is interesting that someone was uh, was trying to say that. Yeah, because I mean, I, I always look at like different news clippings from the NFL uh, network on my phone, and I was just trying to figure out like, is that like uh like when I looked at it, I was like Russell Wilson, he's doing a really good job with the Denver Broncos, and I think he might take the Denver Broncos this year to a Super Bowl because I think they have, from my um, you know, from my way of being in the NFL uh, fan uh, perspective on this. I think the Denver Broncos have been to a Super Bowl since uh, Peyton Manning and John Elway, but I'm not quite sure. But I think I'm going to just probably say I think that it will be uh, Russell Wilson's time to actually take the Denver Broncos to a Super Bowl this year as well. Yeah, they've got a lot of work to do after a really rough uh, 2022 season, but yes, the the last time the Broncos made the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning was their quarterback. They beat mm-hmm. Cam Newton's Carolina Panthers in that one. Yes, I I was actually uh, absolutely correct on that one because I did see that one. 
and that one was a really uh, historic matchup. Seeing, uh, you know, seeing a great legend from Auburn and seeing a future uh, Hall of Famer, which is now a, a former Hall of Famer in the uh, Hall of Fame uh, in Canton, Ohio, seeing Peyton Manning actually doing so many great things uh, with his organization, with his dad, and everything that he's done uh, with uh, Archie Manning, and uh, you know he he's really doing a really an amazing job with the young kids, actually, um, you know, expressing the 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 right way of playing the the correct way of playing football as well. Yeah, absolutely. What else do you have on your mind today, James? Well, I'm actually uh, trying to see in the NBA play on playing tournament and seeing who's actually going to take it all the way. I think, uh, you know, seeing uh, Chicago, I know Chicago is going to be kind of hard going up to Miami, but I think Miami is going to win this one tonight as well because I think the Miami Heat, I will probably see them like in the fifth seed or in the seventh seed. So I'm just going to keep my hopes and see what's going to happen between now and uh the end of the playing tournament as well to see who's actually going to play in the NBA Finals as well. Yeah, they could have been the seventh seed if they had won Tuesday night, but now Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that they can be if they win is the eighth seed and they would take on the Milwaukee Bucks if they were able to win tonight. Winner tonight is the eighth seed and plays Milwaukee. Yeah, so um, I'm actually going to uh, put all my chips on the table for Miami and uh, seeing if they're going to win tonight. But if they don't, they'll still have another chance of getting that uh, Milwaukee spot as well. So it's it's kind of a myth. It's kind of a toss-up right now in uh, my playing tournament bracket. So it's, it's kind of a mix-up right there as well. And then I'm actually doing that and, and seeing if I can win on the NBA uh, app for $1 million and uh, courtside seats to next year's NBA uh, games in person as well. Oh, wow. Uh, well, again, I, I do want to make sure you know the loser tonight between the Bulls and Heat is out of the playoffs. They would have no more chances. Again, the winner would play Milwaukee. And then the Western Conference, the game between the Thunder and the Timberwolves, the winner will play the Denver Nuggets, and the loser will be out, and they will have no more games. So just – just making sure uh, everyone's uh, uh, clarity there. Yes, because I think it's a win or go home if that's if that's what they're trying to yes. say. Yes. So I think if if you no know, if uh, Miami loses, then that will be another chance. Well, that won't be another chance for them. But I think if they win, they'll push them to the next uh, round as well. So I'm hoping if they win, if if they win. It's going to be a big if. So if they win, if Miami beats uh, Chicago, if they don't, then it wasn't their chance to beat them this year as well. Are you excited to go to the Auburn-Alabama game tonight in baseball? Um, I will not be going to the one on Friday. I will be going to the one on Saturday. But tonight, I will be uh, listening that I will be listening to Friday's uh, game on my phone as well. And I just wanted to know who is going to be uh, commentating that game for tonight. Yeah, that would be uh, Andy Bertram and Brad Law on the radio. Okay, because I um, I always love everything that they do. I've heard uh you know Andy Bertram and he's a really nice guy he's always keeping everything you know with 
a lot of, you know, commentary, and he's really good at what he do as, as well, and Brad Law as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, James, you got a couple more things for us before we we'll let you go here today? Um, I don't have anything else. Um, I don't have any Auburn uh, football news, but I will have that for you all on Tuesday as well. Okay, not going not gonna to give us a call on Monday? No, because I'll be uh, kind of busy, but I could, like, squeeze it in if I can. Okay, well, if you can squeeze us in, great. We always appreciate when you call in, but if not, we'll talk to you Tuesday, and we hope you have a great weekend. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate James uh, for calling in today. Real quickly, before we take our next time out, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union. Today we've got Max Unger, who turns 37, former NFL center. Unger was born in Hawaii, was considered a three-star recruit out of high school, played college football at Oregon, two-time All-Pac-10 selection, one-time All-American as a four-year starter, taken in the second round by the Seahawks in 2009, became a starter as a rookie, played 10 years in the NFL, three-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and one-time Super Bowl champion with the Seahawks, Max Unger, turns 37 today. The great Pete Rose turns 82. Let him into the Hall of Fame, please. Mm -hmm. Former MLB infielder, Rose was born in Cincinnati, played both football and baseball, signed by the Reds out of high school in 1961, made his major league debut in 1963, played baseball professionally for 23 years, building a legacy as one of the greatest players in the history of the game. 17-time All-Star, three-time batting champ, two-time Gold Glover, and one-time Silver Slugger Award winner, one-time MVP, three-time World Series champion, and one-time World Series MVP. Holds the Major League record for hits, singles, and games played. His number 14 is retired by the Reds. He had a career batting average of 303, I think 4,200-something hits for Pete Rose. Greg Maddox turns 57 today. Former MLB pitcher Maddox was born in Texas, drafted by the Cubs in 1984, made his Major League debut in 1986, played 22 seasons in the majors, most famously for the Braves, also was a Cub, Dodger, and Padre. Eight-time All-Star, four-time NL Cy Young Award winner, 18 Gold Glover, three-time NL Wins leader, four-time Major League Baseball ERA leader, is number 31, is retired by both the Braves and Cubs, and is a member of the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame, one of the best pitchers for command in the history of the game. Greg Maddox turns 57 today. And Banker Mayfield turns 28. He's the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mayfield was born in Texas, led his high school to a state title as a senior in 2013, walked on at Texas Tech, was named starter as a freshman, later transferred to Oklahoma, where he became one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Three-time All-Big 12 selection, two-time All-American, and winner of several awards in 2017, including the Maxwell, Manning, and Heisman Memorial Trophies. He was taken first overall by the Browns in 2018, led Cleveland to their first playoff win since 1994 in 2021. From Brady to Baker in Tampa (laughs) Bay, Baker Mayfield turns 28 today. Those are on the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union and Max Unger, Pete Rose, Greg Maddox, and Baker Mayfield. Fun list right there. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, a lot more of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Again, getting off here at 4.30 today. Stay tuned. More after this time out.
we need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on this beautiful Friday. Ryan LaVoy, Christian Page with you. Publicly, I'll just go ahead and say I would love to say that often, but that is no longer uh, Christian's job. And uh, he does great things where he works, but uh, we do miss uh, having a lot of show discussions with Christian. Fortunately, we are good. We are really good friends. Yeah, it's and we not see like, each other every single week. Yeah, it's not like we never see each right. other. We see each other, I would say, at least twice. So maybe yeah. more, maybe more yep. than that every week. So, uh, but it's nice to be back in this, I guess, Absolutely. this cadence for the ne- for an sure. hour and a half. <laughs> I can't be as colorful in some of my descriptions of people uh, <laughs> out loud right now, but uh, we certainly do talk about all these all these topics. We have more breaking news. This one now a commitment to Auburn. Alluded to this, Martavis Collins, three star tight end slash athlete, depending on where you look, has just committed to Auburn. I believe he was originally an Alabama commitment or at least a target. And the number 507 player, according to the 247 composite, number 29 tied in, did just make his uh, commitment to Auburn 6'3", 241 out of Rome, Georgia. Someone else joining the fold for 2024 uh, in that Hugh, Cree- uh, Hugh Freeze recruiting class that, again, we've talked a little bit about. Had, had to start well behind the eight ball last year, but the 2024 and 2025 classes – let, just listen to what Hugh Freeze says. Those are the two classes he feels will decide if he ends up being successful at Auburn or not, and we tend to agree with that. Let's go back to the basketball news, though. Peyton Marshall decommitting from Auburn, top 50, top 100 player uh, in the class, big boy, big boy, mm-hmm. four-star guy. Uh, Justin Hokuson reporting that Bruce Pearl had a conversation with Peyton Marshall recently, and not the Two kind of mutually decided this was the best thing. So if you're if you're reading and believing that reporting, then this is kind of Bruce Pearl being honest with the player too. And uh, Anthony actually called in earlier this week talking about uh, Frank Thomas and having honest conversations with with Pat Dye and that sort of thing back in his time on the planes. And we talked about some importance with with having honest conversations. So it appears that that Bruce Pearl was was very aware and maybe even encouraging this decision. So it makes you think something else might be in the works here. And, and look, this this age of transfer portal and NIL and stuff, recruiting has continued to matter more and more over the last 20 or so years, but it's becoming even a more sharp rate for where a commitment is not necessarily a commitment. You yeah. can have that on both sides now, and it appears Auburn's got some other targets maybe in mind. Yeah. Recruiting in college basketball and college athletics in general, but basketball especially, is just so fascinating now. I mean, Peyton Marshall committed months and months ago, and it's really odd to see that far out that somebody of, I say his caliber, is committing to a school that soon. And ultimately that doesn't necessarily end your recruitment, so to speak. You may think it does, but then maybe Bruce Pearl's bringing somebody on board or is going to recruit somebody next year. And he's like, hey, Peyton, we're going to recruit over you. If you're comfortable with that, we'd love you have have you on the team. But we know what you're capable of. You know, you're a big-time uh, recruit, and you've been recruited by multiple other programs. 
why don't you go see what those other programs have to offer? So I think there's probably some mutual respect there. And then again, if you want to look into the future, yeah, that maybe that does mean Bruce Pearl has somebody, uh, has his eye on somebody that might be of higher caliber, that he feels more confident um, compared to Marshall's game and what he could bring to the table. Um, because Marshall, from a style effect, may not – now this is me being completely stereotypical just based on his mass – may not necessarily fit that typical mold Bruce Pearl likes to run. You know, if he does like to kind of run and gun, get the ball out quick. And we've seen different um, styles uh, with Bruce Pearl's been at Auburn. But traditionally, he likes to kind of get those athletic centers. We've seen, you know, those guys play above the rim – a la Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler a year ago. Janai Broom, maybe not at – he is not, not maybe. He is not as athletic as those two guys, but still can kind of play in that quick game and saw a little bit in the postseason last year extending his ability to stretch the floor. So maybe Bruce was looking more towards somebody else, maybe in the portal now and maybe in the recruiting class in the future. Hey, Peyton, we're going to look a different direction and so we wish you the best in the future. Yeah, and, and I think it opens up the possibility, as you were alluding to, you know, having someone in more immediate uh, help for right now. We still don't know the status of Auburn's bigs. We're kind of now the, – the longer time goes on without anything public, it feels more certain that they're going to be back, I guess. I don't, I don't know with, with Janai Broom. Uh, the Dylan Cardwell situation is mm-hmm. interesting because Cardwell is a guy – look, I know it's not maybe – popular to say this out loud because he is a fan favorite because he um, he cares so much and he's such a positive with his energy but you can upgrade that yeah. backup position I mean let's let's be truthful about that and I, I know that Auburn has targeted some bigs one of them went to Florida earlier this week uh, I'm sure they're still contacting others and the portal there's still uh, literally like a thousand players in the transfer portal for college basketball, and we still have a few decisions that have been still trickling out in recent days. Not quite everyone that's going to be in there is yet in there. Just ask Auburn as they await a few more decisions from the likes of Flanagan and Williams and Broom. And so I I, I tend to think that this means that Auburn does have something more immediate planned at the big man position. And I also tend to think that it might not be long till we hear about it because if Bruce is already kind of confident enough to have that conversation with Peyton Marshall and Marshall got enough from that conversation to say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and back out, I don't think you do that unless you feel pretty good about something. Mm -hmm. That doesn't, to me, sound like, oh, well, we actually just want to keep poking around. Uh, It sounds like we have poked and we have have found. Um, But I... I could be wrong. That's speculation. My point, uh, my part. I don't. I don't have any reporting there. It's just my opinion that that I feel that they've got someone else lined up pretty soon. Um, but this is the first guy Auburn's lost in, in a couple of years. I know they've they've lost a couple guys to the transfer portal and stuff. They're now in talks potentially with Devin Cambridge to come back. Where where do we stand on that? Where do we stand here? Uh, there's still several roster spots even after the arrival of Denver Jones. Still a lot more to do scholarship-wise with this Auburn team, even if the likes of Flanagan, Williams, Broom come back. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, it's just you really have to dig deep and evaluate your roster. And you can't get – you can't be stagnant in college ba- uh, basketball anymore. And even if you were to a period, you would still get hurt uh, uh, moving forward. But – when you're looking, you have to fast adapt. You got to sit there and hit the transfer portal daily. You got to look to the recruiting ranks. But if they're not going to make your team immediately better, 
then then you're going to be caught with holding a scholarship for many years, which Auburn's kind of dealing with that in in the certain situation because there's guys that have a scholarship that don't contribute the way that we had thought when they were being recruited. So you can never get stagnant in the recruiting ranks, whether that's college basketball transfer portal recruiting or if that's high school recruiting. You got to find those immediate um, those um, uh, immediate players. I mean, really, just daily, you got to look at those guys, and maybe that's what Bruce looks like. Hey, we've been kind of spurned by this in the past. We got to find something a little quicker, and maybe that's not the answer. And that could be said for all three hundred thousand college basketball programs in D one. I hope each school, both for like football and basketball, has a job title for someone. That's just like portal pro, they need to just 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 <laughs> all they do pro. is just every single day that goes in the portal. All right, where is he from? What can he do for us? Can he? Can he add some shooting? Can he add some length? Or if it's football, you know, is he physical? Is he is he just talented but smaller? I just, just you joke, but <laughs> I, there there has to be Probably somebody. Is. I mean, some kind of general manager that monitors that because I mean, there's in the NFL. I know it's a professional organization, but there are professional scouts that are hired just to watch uh, other teams across the country. So when free agency hits, or the general manager is starting to think about trade value. They go to that group and they're like, hey, what do you think of this guy? And they have reports on it. So maybe maybe something similar in the pseudo-sports world of college football. Let's go back to football for just a second, then we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line to close out the hour. Um, so the fifth commitment for the 24 class is Martavis Collins. Again, 6'3", 241 out of Rome, Georgia, 507 on the 247 composite. He is technically the lowest rated of the five commits now. Again, to remind everyone, Walker White, top 10 quarterback in the country out of Little Rock. You got uh, Jamari and Fat Burnett out of Andalusia, four-star running back, top 200 player. Uh, Amon Lane, who is a uh, 5'11 corner out of Moody, four-star player. And then another four-star corner out of Aniston and Jaden Lewis. He's somebody that committed pretty recently down, I think, around the, the, the time of the Senior Bowl. And he's out of Aniston, then out of uh, Rome, Georgia, is Martavis Collins. So you got uh, you got three Alabamas, you got a Arkansas, and you got a Georgia in the class. Uh, this is a pretty normal way to start. Auburn is in the top twenty or top twenty-five, depending on where you look, uh, with these five commitments thus far. Uh, way different than when Auburn was constantly they were in the forties and they were in the fifties and they were in the sixties oh, last just went year. Lower and lower. Right. Uh it was uh it was like trying to shoot a golf score, like let's just keep it as low as possible. It's what it felt like with the uh, re- recruiting rankings last year. But again, five guys in for Hugh Freeze. Uh Auburn's had a ton of commitments here, or excuse me, a ton of visits here in the last week or two because of the spring game. They're talking to guys, Christian, that are committed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds like I just said that in a surprising manner, but compared to how Auburn was cr- recruiting the last couple of years, it was almost like they saw a commitment somewhere else as, all right, red flag, time mm-hmm. to stop, not going to talk anymore. But that's not how great recruiting teams do this. We, we see so many decommitments in the sport of football and flips and that sort of thing. And so Auburn is not really caring that these kids are committed to Alabama or Georgia or, no. or Tennessee or wherever, and, and they should. And that's how, that's how Georgia and Bama do it. And I'm not saying Auburn's going to end up number two or three in the, in the country this year in recruiting, but do you really think that those top schools just stop recruiting someone because they committed elsewhere? That's not how that works. I'm stealing this from some article, and apologies, I do not remember who wrote it or who it was specifically about, but I remember Hugh Freeze was being interviewed, and it was about a certain player, and he said, I want you to write down every single coach that's recruiting you right now. 
And every time they contact you, I want you to put a check mark by their name. And by the time the recruiting process is over, I will have the most check marks on that tally. And so I think that just goes to show that with the clout that Freeze has, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, I mean that he has a lot of pride in what he does and in his coaching ability and staff, you can do that, that, that kind of stuff. At A-Day, they had two Alabama commits in attendance. That says a lot right there. And those people, were, they, those players were willing to come over there. And then just like we just talked about, sure, uh, Collins is not this highly, very highly touted tight end, but he was high enough to be committed to Alabama for a certain period of time, and now he's an Auburn commit. So Freeze is not scared to recruit against these guys, and he knows, unlike the, unlike the previous, he knows that is how you win in the SEC and it's not something you can be stagnant about either. I was just saying that about Bruce Pearl and college basketball atmosphere. Football is just as much important. Six or seven minutes left here in hour number one. Again, getting off air about 4.30 because of Auburn softball coming on the airwaves at 4.45. So let's go back to the Auburn Bank. Phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for uh, squeezing me in. So I know why you're on here. Who else is on the show today? Christian Page. Christian Page. Man, welcome back, man. Good to hear your voice. What's up, Steve? Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you, man. Uh, look, let's uh, get started. How, how have you been doing, by the way? Oh, I'm good. No, I'm good. And it's like I, I was telling Ryan at the beginning of the show, it's turned out weather-wise, it's uh, it turned out really well. And I'll probably head over to the softball game and hopefully catch a victory there against LSU. Okay, let's hope so. So, uh, Kate, briefly, uh, um, I know we've already shared, but I just got on the radio show. Uh, what have you been up to? What are you doing now? Oh, so I am um, – I'm still writing, but I'm working for our marketing department right now. So really enjoy what I'm doing, and I get to kind of dabble in the sports industry as well. So it's really uh, really entertaining when you get to do something, uh, get paid for what you love, which I know these well, guys good. can relate as well. <laughs> good. That's good you can do that. You're still in the Auburn area somewhere else? Yes, I am. Still here. Okay. All right. Guys, uh, I just saw this on Auburn 247 Sports. Peyton Marshall has decided to decommit. Yep, we were uh, we were just talking about that uh, as you as you called in there. Uh, apparently, Bruce Pearl had a conversation with him uh, very recently, and the two sides kind of felt it was best to to, to decommit. So Bruce Pearl was apparently involved in, in the decision making process there. So we had a mutual dropping of each other. It seems that way, and we're speculating that there must be some other big man on Auburn's radar that either they've gotten a commitment from and it's just not public or that they are very close to getting. I'm thinking that something here in the short term is going to happen with a big guy. Okay, well, I'm hoping, and he should. Bruce knows a lot better than we do, right? Yeah, I mean, again, he has been uh, putting together some really good recruiting classes, and that class was number three in the country before the deep commitment. So, I, I'm again, I'm thinking that they must have something lined up that's maybe just not going public for a little while. Okay, now this was a bit of a surprise to me, maybe not you guys, but uh, all I've been reading from Jason Caldwell and uh, other people that uh, one probably one of our better defensive players maybe – to make an impact on uh, as a rusher, uh, is now decommitted. Jeffrey Umbach. Well, yeah, going, going to the portal. Yeah, he's already been on the, the team. And, yeah. and look, he was someone that had pretty high expectations when he got on Auburn's campus before last year. 
Uh, but if, if you'll recall, I, I think he didn't even play triple-digit snaps ac- across the course of the year. I think I read like 87 total snaps or something like that. He really didn't make much of an impact last year. And uh, if you read between the lines of what Hugh Freeze was saying, he was giving a lot of credit to someone like Mosiah Nasilikiete on that defensive line, the transfer from Maryland. I, I'm thinking that, putting two and two together, I'm thinking Imbaugh was absolutely not going to start for the Tigers and then maybe even was working himself out of the rotation. So, again, I don't want to belittle him because it's very possible he's going to go somewhere and play and be all right. But I, I like to believe if someone's transferring right now in the spring, they are probably uh, either just not a fan of the new coaching staff, which would, would find it hard to believe with how well, uh, how charismatic Freeze seems to be, or they are falling and sliding down the depth chart. And again, that will happen in a lot of places. So impact-wise, hurtful-wise, not that significant? Uh, not too significant. Again, I'm not. My preference is not to bleed a lot of defensive linemen because that group feels like a little bit of a weaker group right now. But again, I don't think he was lined up to be a starter. I think he would have been a second team guy. So I do not believe Auburn is losing a starting caliber player. Okay, moving on real quickly. Uh, our softball team uh, uh, maintained uh, uh, their composure and were able to pull out a win over uh, Troy. Um, and then we're going to be uh, facing uh, LSU. Uh, starting tonight, um, LSU is right higher than we are, but does that mean their talent roster is better than ours? I think Auburn's roster is pretty good. I, I mean, I, I know LSU has a couple of tremendous players. They always do, and, and they have had a little better season than Auburn so far this year. But I think this will be a very even series. I think if this was in Baton Rouge, I would definitely favor LSU to win two of three. But being at Auburn, it really could go either way. This I, I do not think it will be a sweep for either team. Uh, and it's going to be very close call on who ultimately wins this series. It should be a competitive one. And then I see our coaching, uh, I guess, show uh, is now going to be our starter going to be Mr. Vale uh, tonight against Alabama. Uh, I have not actually seen the starting lineups. If you've seen them, then then I'm sure that's what they are. But I have I've actually not uh, not seen a starting lineup. Yeah, it came from uh, Jason Caldwell's Monday uh, Friday uh, mailbag okay. uh, column today. Gotcha. So I guess uh, we kind of like burn the bridge with uh, Mr. Cannon. Oh no, I don't think that at all. Cannon's still uh, one of the the best pitchers all year for Auburn, just because he had a bad. I mean, a- I mean we wore we wore him out. I guess uh, uh, in that Georgia Tech game. Then uh, I mean I, I wouldn't necessarily say that either. He's going to absolutely pitch this weekend, and he'll probably pitch in an important situation. So no, I do not think that at all. Your best uh, take in terms of likelihood of us. Getting two out of three over Bama this weekend. Are my my best what? Your your best bet. Your best take. Can we do it? Oh, can they do? Yeah, absolutely. They're evenly matched teams. Uh, Alabama had a better non-conference a little bit, but they also played a few lesser teams. Uh, they're both four and eight in the SEC. Now, again, I tend to favor the home team, so I would tend to think Bama will end up winning two out of three, but. Auburn knows that they can hit. It's just can can Auburn find the arms? Can they can they piece together the right amount of innings in the right situation? So uh, I do think Auburn will win at least one. Again, can they can they have a lead in multiple games? Absolutely. It's going to be a matter of holding that lead. Yeah, Jason Caldwell made a comment that uh, if we can just get our starter to last five innings, mm-hmm. we should be in okay shape. Yeah. But if not, then we're we're in dire straits. Yeah, I mean, we know the depth of this uh, this pitching staff is is not there. So the, the more they go, the earlier they go into the bullpen, the more it's going to hurt late in the series. All right, moving on real quickly, uh, Equestrian. We uh, 
won yesterday, uh, 13 to seven over um, uh, South Carolina. So we're playing Oklahoma State today. Uh, have they already done that? Uh, I am double checking right now. I think they are currently competing. Uh, yeah, they are currently competing. I, I it was six to four Auburn as of 40 minutes to go, and I am uh, I am unsure of a score update since then. Okay, and gymnastics, guys. Uh, the young lady who is competing for Auburn on her own individually, uh, how did she do or not? Darion Goburn, uh, I think she had like what? a 9.91, which was a good score, but but not She's enough pretty to... pretty low. Yeah, yeah, I don't think she placed yeah. anything major. I think it, yeah. it would so have been she, pretty low. She didn't make it to the next round then? No, no, she did not. No. Okay. All right. Well, guys, I thank you for squeezing me in. Yes, sir. Uh, my time is up. And uh, I thank you always for the time you give me. So, Christian Page, it was definitely great uh, to hear you, your voice again. And uh, I wish you best in your personal professional life. Uh, with that said, uh, let's have a uh, relaxed weekend, everybody. And uh, we'll talk again uh, come Monday. Yes, Until sir. Then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Have a great weekend, sir. That is Retire Ward AM Steve on our Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. Again, only a half hour for the second hour of the show. Maybe a best and worst of the weekend coming up a little bit, a little bit more about uh, a very busy day in Auburn athletics. Some days are, some days are not. As If you listened to the show yesterday, we did a whole hour and a half of things not really related. Uh, we were just doing some SEC football scheduling, uh, and so we have a lot more to talk about here in the final half hour of the show. Again, with Christian Page, I'm Ryan LaVoy. Stay tuned. More sports call coming up after the timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Start of hour number two right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Christian Page with me here. Again, another 20 or so minutes of the show. Auburn softball coming up at 445 against LSU. Britt Bowen, Jacob Hillman on the call of that one important three-game series for the Auburn Tigers as they take on a top-15 opponent in the LSU Tigers. Again, busy day so far for Auburn Athletics. Steve hit on a lot of it right there before the uh, end-of-hour break. Not only some of the competitions going on right now with like equestrian and women's golf, but also uh, the, the commitment of uh, you got a football player, Martavis Collins. You've got a decommitment in Peyton Marshall uh, for basketball. So Auburn has been a little bit busy here today. Transfer portal technically opening up in football tomorrow. And you got Jeffrey Embaugh 
saying that he will go in the portal. That was as of last night. There will be others for Auburn. There will be plenty from other schools. Uh, that is for sure. Something that we talked a lot about on the show yesterday. I want to get a few thoughts uh, from Christian on here. Again, sticking with some of the themes of recent weeks and recent shows, we talked a lot yesterday about uh, potential scheduling model for the SEC. Of course, everyone around Auburn kind of has their preference of the three common opponents that is going to uh, dictate who Auburn's got each and every year when they rotate. Now, look, again, this could still be eight-game model. We don't know for a fact that it's going to be nine. I feel it is clearly better to do nine rather than to do eight. But uh, if it is nine and it's three and six, okay, you still got everyone every other year. But a lot of different opinions on who should be the three that Auburn has. Now, I think everyone can agree on two, and that mm-hmm. being Alabama and Georgia. But that third one's really interesting because you can go the route of history. You can go the route of who's the most fierce rival right now. You go the route of schedule balance and getting someone – to balance out two very difficult programs to face each and every year. So where do you stand on that, Christian? Yeah, I think it's that last part you said, the perspective of you're having two of the best pro- – I would say the two best programs in college bas- or excuse me, college football with Georgia and Alabama. You're obviously playing them every year anyways, but do you get some kind of gift of relief? So, now again, it's the SEC. There's not that many programs that are that gift. There's the one glaring one with Vanderbilt – um, but then it's, do you want to lose potentially not playing one of the Mississippi schools? Which, you know, up and down, you never know what, what uh, Mississippi State's going to bring to the table. You assume Ole Miss is going to continue at least making some noise, whether that's literally or figuratively, given their head coach. But um, maybe maybe keeping a Mississippi school. So I would think, you know, keep the standard Georgia-Alabama I guess Ole Miss or Mississippi State, I can't really put my finger on either one. It'd be kind of awkward to play one and not the other, but I think that would probably be the best direction just given not not a bad opponent, but from a proximity standpoint and from a competition standpoint, I think that would probably make the most sense. Yesterday, Brooks and I spit out the same thing when we went over Auburn. I had some chaos going on with what Florida and Tennessee and Oklahoma were doing, and I was all over the place. And What's the the uh, the – picture the meme where charlie day is on the board yeah. actually in in the studio now i have a bulletin board behind me with right. all the thumbtacks and everything right that's pretty much what you're doing when you're was that always configure. sunny in philadelphia is that i think that it show? was uh charlie day's in that i don't know what uh, that's from but it probably is that uh yeah. but yeah that's kind of like the same it, formula, that's how i felt especially when yeah. you're just like all right let's figure out the standard and then you're checking oh i've already had that team twice blah 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 but um, no, it's fun to do now until we get some finality here, hopefully in the next coming month. Yeah, yeah, Brooks and I had Auburn and Mississippi State as that third matchup for the Tigers. And look, some of it has to do with how it fits everyone else too because, look, I think there could be an opportunity where it would really fit Florida when I was kind of doing this exercise because outside of Georgia, you know, their other highest rivals or teams that – they don't play in the SEC if they were to play Florida. They play Florida State every year, but if they were to play Miami, that would still probably qualify for them as a big rival. And then, you know, Tennessee and South Carolina uh, definitely would make some sense for them. But outside of that, you know, Auburn could, could be not far behind it. So you do have to think about the other schools involved, but then you also have to think about schedule balance and the caliber of programs and not just where they are right now. And what we came up with Mississippi State was basically, well, this is a team that Auburn has played every year for a very long time. 
it evens out the schedule just a little bit and they at least do have some history together it's not like they're throwing you're throwing Vanderbilt to Auburn where there's just mm-hmm. it's like ah well you know that's just for schedule balance at least there's an, a secondary reason here uh too I think it's just going to be really interesting and again we we keep talking about it because I really believe those will come out in the next month or so and and we'll know how the league is shaped with the arrivals of Texas and Oklahoma a lot to consider a lot will be happening in that 2024 season because with Texas and Oklahoma's arrival also comes the arrival of the 12-team college football playoff. And I think that when you start to break it down and you start to worry a little bit less about um, a a nine-game schedule if you're the bigger teams because you will definitely be afforded a loss or two if you're in a conference like the SEC. Now, again, and I don't want to say they don't matter because I I do – like they're still part of this conference, but the – the struggling teams in this conference will will feel worse about the opportunity to make a bowl game because they will uh, have an extra conference game and they won't necessarily get to play East Tennessee State or something in the, the non-conference. They'll get one less of those. But I also think that, by the way, lost in all this too is the more we expand the playoff, the, the more we water down some of these other bowl games. And I know we're including bowl games in the playoff, and that's how these big bowls – these New Year's Six uh, before that BCS Bowls are staying relevant. But I feel like the Bowls have waned in interest a little bit. I still watch the heck out of them, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners still watch the heck out of them. But, um, you know, that may not be as big of a feather in the cap for teams moving forward. We'll see. But the, the landscape, nevertheless, will be changing in 2024. Right. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think nine is the direction to go, and that's what everybody else is doing. And then I know, I guess, take the Pac-12, for example, they still have the nine, and they still, I believe, require that team to schedule a Power 5 non-conference opponent as well. So just take, like, Utah, for example, home and home with Florida. Uh, Went to Florida last year, and then they're going to play Florida again at the opener, I believe the opener, at least in September this year. So they still have that nine-game schedule, uh, Pac-12 schedule, plus that one Power 5. Would the SEC still keep it that way if they went to nine? I'm going to say no. But then again, you may have teams, and we were talking this before the show, but then you still have teams, and it's to no fault of the other teams that have their rivals within the SEC. But then is you, are you going to get some complaints from Florida with Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, and Clemson, where it's like, hey, our rivals are outside. That's kind of – I hate to play, play the unfair card, but I think they would have a legitimate concern or legitimate argument – where it's like, hey, if you can play three, you know, lower tier non-conference opponents, well, we can only play two because we got Clemson we got to play at the end of the year. Or we got Florida State, who Florida State's probably going to be a preseason top five team uh, this year in college football. So I get there's some justification there for those teams, but, well, it'll work itself out. But I think nine is definitely the momentum and the trajectory to go. And like you said, just changing the the way the course of the SEC and then with that 12-team playoff coming in. I don't know if scheduling one more SEC game, potentially that being a loss for a certain team, is going to heavily affect them in the scope of all the playoffs because I get nationally they want more spots. I'm not saying particularly just to keep the SEC out, but it also gives the SEC more opportunity, let's be honest. Like there's still going to be teams that are right there, you know, oh, you know, if Ole Miss would have won this game, they would have been, you know, the fifth best team in college football. 
okay, well, now if there's another t- a couple other teams in the SEC that have two or three close losses or something like that, then where do they stack up in that 12-team playoff? So, um, yeah, it's not going to weed those SEC teams out, and so I don't think that necessarily needs to factor into Sankey and company's decision of, like, we don't want to jeopardize the SEC from getting in the playoff because ultimately it's going to happen if they're good enough football teams. Well, and, and when you guarantee – when you put this 12-team playoff, you guarantee two things. You guarantee the part you just talked about where more access for the premier conference, which has been the SEC, and look, the Big Ten will probably benefit from this as well, but you guarantee a couple more participants for the best conferences, and then obviously the other part, which is what the very stated part, is that you guarantee that six conferences are a part of the party, but again, you still have six at large, and of those next six, you're probably looking at two to three SEC teams every year, an additional Big Ten team or two, and then maybe another Pac-12 team, ACC team, whatever, Big 12, whoever mm-hmm. uh, is still good at that time. Now, you know, Big 12 might have some problems because Oklahoma and Texas will be out. We'll see how that new league uh, shapes out with the arrivals of UCF and BYU, Cincinnati, Houston. Uh, and then we'll just see if the Pac-12 is even, even okay in a couple of years when, when USC moves on and UCLA. And, and so the dynamic will shift. But, again, primarily SEC and Big Ten will, will benefit from that at large standpoint. Again, I could have these hypothetical conversations each and every day on the show. <laughs> and during the summer we might right. uh, when there's a, a little less news to talk about. A few more minutes left in the show. We're not going to take a break. We're going to keep it right here. Let's do a best and worst of the weekend. Or, or, excuse me, not a best or worst of the weekend. That would be Monday. A what to watch for over the weekend. Sports calls. What to watch for over the weekend. I'm already trying to preemptively wish some <laughs> some good and bad things this right, weekend. Right. You got any? Yeah, you were talking about predict- predictions and hypotheticals. Right. You got any good plans this weekend? Uh, yeah, man? hypothetically, <laughs> my worst of the weekend will be. Um, so, starting it out, uh, a couple Auburn series to be aware of. First and foremost, I guess, is what's coming up right after us here in Tiger 95.9. That is Auburn and LSU. Three games set at Jane B. Moore Field. LSU's Tigers ranked in the top 15 in the country. Auburn still maintaining a top 25 ranking. Some very interestingly um, competitive series in the past, spirited series in the past when these two teams can get a little bit chippier than than some other series uh, in conference. But uh, I know, Christian, you might be heading out here in a few minutes, still looking at some sunshine outside and Again, a very important series because, again, as I mentioned with Steve, if this was in Baton Rouge, you would not feel very good about Auburn's chances of taking the series. But it it, it evens out a little bit when you get to host it. Uh, it'll be very important tone setter. I believe Maddie will be starting tonight. I, I should probably double-check a lineup here and not just speak that in existence. But she's typically started the first and third games of, of, of SEC series. So getting out in front of it would be key, but a uh, very important opportunity if Auburn is trying to eventually be one of those top 16 teams and host, they need to beat some of these top 16 teams. Right, right. And they've had, you know, they had Florida on the ropes, especially in that first game in the last weekend series on Thursday. And defensive blunders kind of just put them in a bind and they couldn't get out of it. And it's kind of uh, with baseball, which I know you're, we're about to talk about, but it's kind of the tale of two different teams where baseball, they can, they can get runners across the plate. However, defensively, mostly mostly on the mound, and Steve alluded to it, talking, you know, just getting a starting pitcher past five innings, things are looking good because you just don't want to crack that bullpen. And, of course, you know, some injuries on the pitching uh, rotation in baseball. But softball is kind of the other end. You know, you have Maddie Pinto, who just recorded her 200th strikeout halfway through the SEC season. And 
you know she's going to be fully capable in the circle, but will the bats come around? So really, when you get runners on base, timely hitting, and just make sure you don't pay way to anything, um, you know, with defensive blunders, because that defensive blunder could lead to a run or two, and that could be, you know, Auburn's out of luck after that. So hopefully the home crowd can entice a little more runs and more offense for softball. I mean, looking forward to see if KK McCreary can back up the performance she had against Troy. She was the player of the game on the broadcast, got interviewed in the post game, had a couple hits and uh, had a big double and wanted to see players like that uh, play into it because we know that Brielle is going to hit the, the home run from time to time. And we know that Nelia Peralta is going to get on base. She leads the team in walks. She's done a great job. And that department also, I mean, she's, she's done a little bit of everything at the plate. You know there's two or three bats you can count on. But there's other bats that were either really good in the non-conference or are good in spurts that need to be a little bit more consistent. And those bats, as you mentioned, are the key to success because you feel pretty good about Auburn always holding teams in that two to three to four run mark, even lower at times. Uh, it's just can they actually get the five runs plus very often. And, and so far in SEC play, they've not – been able to also on the what to watch for over the weekend Auburn goes to Tuscaloosa in baseball three game set against Alabama both teams four and eight in the southeastern conference and again uh, not sugarcoating things the pitching has not been good that is dead last in the southeastern conference Christian uh, if you want to you might want to warm up warm up the arm right contact the NCAA if there's any eligibility Left for you, JJ, our our Thunder Chickens pitcher, might need to loosen up the arm. He would love that. He'd uh, he'd not fare well, but that's kind of been how most of the pitching has been right. for Auburn. I, I hate to make it so simple, but it's just can the Tigers piece together enough arms? No, you're right. And we were talking about it over dinner the other night, where it's you know we Auburn scored you know anywhere from five to seven runs in virtually every SEC game, but they haven't been able to you know really play defense overall and and that's what it comes down to and it it's unfortunate that it comes you know this far into Butch Thompson's tenure where some of these same concerns but you know they had some pitching concerns a year ago and you know got to the college world series and played major postseason baseball Um, but this this year feels a little different because it's a little bit of a younger team and some of those veteran arms aren't as quality or or aren't even healthy at this point. So uh, hopefully they can kind of find something in a rhythm, maybe just playing rival Alabama um, can kind of motivate them and maybe just find themselves halfway through the SEC season because I'm not saying it's make or break now, but in, in a sense we're, we're getting really close. They all add up, and, and again, if you're trying – look, you definitely want to make sure you get to Hoover. That would be a big no-no. Only two teams don't. But – uh, still, I, I think the reasonable expectation for the Sovereign team is to always make the NCAA tournament. Again, that's not going to always uh, come to mean that the Tigers are going to make a magical College World Series run very often, but I still think it is a baseline uh, expectation. You still expect to get the tournament. If they drop the series to Alabama, then they're going to really start to be in danger of that. I think they're 19-13-1 overall, and uh, lost a couple disappointing midweek games just in the way that they have lost them, not necessarily losing the Georgia Tech being an, an awful thing inherently, but they do need to win some of these series in the SEC. They've fortunately got three more against teams at or below them, Alabama, Mississippi, and Mississippi State, so that could work one of two ways. You could win a bunch of series here, and, and I don't say strength in the resume, but any SEC series win is not going to hurt. Uh, and it's going to make the record look good, or you start to lose these series, and then you're really out of the uh, the NCAA tournament conversation, then you're just scratching and clawing, trying to get to Hoover. One more what to watch for over the weekend. 
I know this will not be uh, as interesting to you, but I'm very excited that in the world of NASCAR, Chase Elliott returns this week after breaking his tibia six weeks ago in a snowboarding incident. NASCAR's most popular driver returned. The last time someone broke their leg, kind of the beginning of the season, was Kyle Busch about uh, eight years ago now, and he won the championship that year. So don't count Chase out just yet. They go racing at Martinsville on Sunday uh, looking forward to seeing driver number nine back, uh, back in the vehicle, and uh, they have these simulators that, if you've heard of iRacing at all, iRacing is kind of uh, the most realistic experience. You can get it uh, with a wheel, and you know, you can use it on the on the computer or something. But you could also get a wheel and something that you would almost see like set up in an arcade, an actual of almost sitting in something experience with pedals and everything. And they have these simulators now with, with Cup Series guys that are so realistic, they use them to kind of train a little bit when they're not actually allowed to get on the track. And so Chase got in that to test if he would be able to break and, and, and take the demand and all that because of the, of the broken tibia. Um, and, and so that, came, that tested okay, and so he's ready to go, and uh, he'll be back in the car. This weekend, technology it just gets better and better, and also frustrating in other ways, of which I will yes, not mention. Yes, yes, very true. Uh, have you ever had the desire to go snowboarding or skiing? No, because I know I'm a klutz and I know it will not end well. Well, yeah, because I mean, even this, I mean, I know, of course, you know, we can get a, you know, it's NASCAR sport, yada yada yada, but a very healthy individual, and just, I mean, I know a broken leg, you can't really, you know, help anything like yeah. that, or a broken arm, whatever it may be. But I don't know. I just feel like, and maybe this is me. I'm being naive to it or something. But I don't know if the risk is is worth the reward of that. So with we'll Chase snowboarding and stuff. Yeah. So that I mean, there's been a lot of talk about that. He was asked about that. He has snowboarded all his life. Okay. So he is a vet at it, and he said he was not doing any any tricks or anything special. Just a freak incident. Well, and uh, it could be something. You know, we play pickleball every week, so it could be something. You know. Those 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 courts are very condensed, so who uh, knows? We run into stuff, which you have many many times. I run into so the who's to all say? Time, yeah, you you slip and your wrist hits a certain way. It's like, why would he be doing that? And I know your career isn't necessarily right. based on. You know, I will not make. You're not going to break your seven jaw. million yeah, dollars. Just, yeah, just no, don't. Well, just we'll don't do break that. your jaw so you can continue your job. But <laughs> and, and anyway, so maybe yeah, I guess you know he grew up doing that, so I guess it's a little more second nature for him. But I don't know. There's just a lot of people that that's their vacation spot and i'm like Mm-mm. and maybe it's ptsd from having knee surgery uh-huh. but it's just not something no. i've ever desired to do well and i'm a warm weather climate guy yeah. too like like my idea i'm just the situations of which i'd be cold that uh, desirable situations which i'd be cold they really just don't exist to begin with so <laughs> just doing anything in the snow other than oh snowman cool all right that's enough for one year yep. that's about exactly, it exactly yep. all right last minute or two of the show time for a nightly tv guide our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. 5 o'clock college baseball on ESPNU. Miami takes a trip to Chapel Hill. Take on number 13, North Carolina. College softball, 5 o'clock SEC Network. Number 12, LSU. Number 24, Auburn. Of course, you can catch it right here in just a few minutes on Tiger 95.9. College baseball, Auburn and Alabama. 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. 7-10, Bally Sports Southeast. The Atlanta Braves go to the Kansas City Royals. Glad that, the Bra- glad that everyone's going to play everybody in Major League Baseball 
talked a little bit about that, the new scheduling in MLB. 5 o'clock on BBC America, a movie pick, Field of Dreams. And also want to throw out, Brooks has not been putting this on the nightly TV guide. I hope he is listening. I've talked about Tuesday, Wednesday, and today. Uh, NBA play-in concludes. 6 o'clock TNT, Chicago Bulls, Miami Heat. That one uh, for the eighth seed in the East, play Milwaukee Bucks. And then for the eighth seed in the West at 8.30 on ESPN. So one on TNT, one on ESPN. The Thunder travel to Minnesota to take on the Timberwolves. I guess that could have been another what to watch for over the weekend, the begin of the NBA uh, playoffs. Your Knicks involved playing the Cavs. My Warriors playing the Sacramento Kings. That's going to be a crazy environment. We will talk a little NBA playoffs going forward. Uh, as we uh, get through them a little bit later on here. That is the Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show day, Christian. Thank you for coming in, sir. It was good to have you. And uh, who knows down the line, we'll, we'll have to have you on again sometime soon. Always a good time. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yes, sir. Enjoy Auburn softball tonight. And, of course, we thank all those that tuned in and called in today and throughout the weekend for or throughout the week. For Christian Page, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Again, Auburn softball coming up. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday.